You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Uh, I was thinking yesterday just what a what a privilege for me, what a privilege it is to get to share the word with you. And there was a time not too many moons ago uh, where I would, I would uh, writhe, is that a word? I would writhe, rile, uh, I don't know. But I didn't enjoy ministering because I was dealing with so many things internally, fear primarily. And uh, I've just, the Lord's brought me to this place where I, I really enjoy doing this. And if you're going to do something for a living, hopefully you get to a place to where you enjoy doing it. And I love ministering the word. And I really, it's a privilege to do anything for the Lord, isn't it? I said, isn't it a privilege to do just anything for the Lord? Hallelujah. So uh, I've, I've got a, a message that I've been working on for a while, just in my heart. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, how much time do you spend preparing preparing a message, and it's like, well, I've spent my whole life preparing this, amen? And, uh, you know, you just walk with the Lord, and God just puts things in you, and then you just, you just release it. And I'm a big believer in preparing the messenger uh, more than the message, but this in particular, I've spent some time really preparing this because I wanted to, to be able to articulate it right, and there, there comes a point to where you believe in something, but you need to cross over to where you begin to understand things that you believe. And when we first got born again, we didn't, we didn't understand it. We just believed it. We're like, yeah, I need Jesus. And we got born again. And then as the years progress, we start to unfold understanding the Holy Spirit does concerning what God did in us. The same thing I know for me when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well, and I know for a lot of people, it was like, boom, I got hit with power. My life was transformed. But it wasn't until years later that I really began to unpack from the Word some things that God, what God had really done on the inside of us. And you know, this, this church is special. It's really special. And I, and I begin to ask the Lord to give me language to be able to articulate it. And some of this will be a little bit uh, familiar to you, but then some will be new uh, to some of you. But uh, I believe the Lord gave me some things to help understand what He has done in us. And, you know, the, it says in uh, the beginning of Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 1, somewhere around there, it says that when Jesus began to do and to teach... And sometimes the Lord will do something in you, and then he will teach or help you have understanding about what he did. Other times, he will explain things to you, and then he will do in you based on the understanding that you have. And so we've really experienced a lot of things in the Lord that uh, I'm going to put some language to it today, and it's really descriptive of not only what God has done, but who we are as a people. And I had the the opportunity, I guess I was in, I went to three different funerals in the last um, eight days, and I was amongst three different groups of people, and I realized that we are very different. I already knew this, but it was just instilled in me all that much more. We are very different than a lot of other people. I didn't say better, I just said we're different. And I love the work that the Lord's doing in here, and I don't ever, I, I want to understand it better. 
And so the Lord has just begun to help me see and appreciate the work that he's doing. And when you understand something, you know, you can operate it a lot better. You know, you can believe a car moves because you're sitting in the back seat and the person's driving it and you're going somewhere, but you can drive it yourself if you understand how it operates a little bit and you can begin, you get in the driver's seat at the appropriate age, get in the driver's seat and begin to move that vehicle down the road. It's the same thing with the kingdom of God. The more we understand the better we can operate according to the things that he's given us. And so I'm going to share with you about being an apostolic people. And this is familiar language to some of you. It's new to some of you. And some of you are like, what's the point? And, you know, the point is, is that God's done things in us. And again, we need to have understanding of it so we can operate in it a little bit better. And so, you know, when it comes to being, you know, apostolic, you know, there are lots of churches that are named, you know, the first apostolic church of, you know, you know, whatever it is. You know, you can have, you can have a name um, above your church doors, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you function that way. And I'm not saying that those churches don't. I don't know all those churches. But a, a name can only, can possibly only be a title and not be a function. But the Lord isn't really interested in having titles without proper function. That's the reason he gives titles. So, for example, when you look at the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, he didn't give that fivefold ministry just so he could be like, here, guys, I want, uh, I want uh, five of you, if you've got 100 people, I want five of you to feel really, really special <laughs> and to have a title and, and everyone's going to call you that and they're going to, you know... Uh, lift you up high and lofty. The reality of the fivefold ministry is, is that the higher you go, the lower you go. Real true ministry and leadership is about coming under and lifting other people up, especially apostolic ministry. But the church originally, when it was birthed on the day of Pentecost, was an apostolic church. And the reason we know this is because Jesus had his disciples and he said to them, his, some of his very last words were, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so what he did was that he sent them. And an apostle means a sent one. And what apostles are supposed to do is they're supposed to go to where God sends them, and then they're supposed to make that area become apostolic. And so an apostolic people have a particular nature. They have a mindset. They have a way of doing things. And this is the way I look at it, is that if Jesus and the early apostles did things that were of God and the Spirit of God was on them, I want to do the exact same things. I don't really care what we call it. I just want to be able to do the same things that they did. And so I was thinking about this. Is there language in the Bible that says this is what an apostolic people is? And the answer is yes and no. Um, yes, because Jesus said, essentially, he said, you're no longer my disciples. Now you are my apostles, because again, an apostle means a sent one, and then they were known as, as the apostles. But no, in the sense that you can't find something that says this is what an apostolic people is. But think of it this way. If you had somebody that was born into, let's just say they were born into the ideal home. There was no dysfunction. There was no hurt. There was no problems. Uh, basically, the kind of home that none of us were ever involved in, right, in this life. Nobody's had a home that didn't have some kind of problem in it. But you could imagine if somebody was born into that, they wouldn't necessarily have to, and, and it was just free, right? They were just free and things functioned properly. They wouldn't necessarily have to go and find 
instruction on how to live free and how to be functional inside of a home. They would just, they would just be being that. Well, when I look at the early church, it's exactly what I see. I see a group of people that were led by apostles that brought apostolic nature and culture to the church. And what you've seen in the early day church was an apostolic church. Is this, is this, am I in the wrong, did I make, am I in the wrong church here this morning? <laughs> Come on now, this is for us. And we need to grab a hold of this because again, when you understand something, you can operate better in the thing that you understand. And so the early day church, you won't find something that says this is an apostolic church, but they did things that we don't see the church as a whole do today. However, with that being said, I believe that our church is this. I believe that our church functions like this. We're not different because we dim the lights in worship. And I've had people go, why do you do that? It's because we just want to focus on Jesus and not the person next to you that's doing, you know, whatever. I like it and other people don't like it, you know, whatever. That's not the issue. But that's not what makes us different. It's not because of how we decorate. It's not because of the color of the carpet that we have. And it's not even because of me, but it's because of the Spirit of God moving in our midst in particular ways that we have allowed Him to, that we've invited Him into, that's made us the people that we are. I do not think that we are better, but I'm not going to shun the work that God has done in us. I want to have better understanding of it. Hallelujah. Can I get a big amen? So um, it's really important that we have... Uh, just some understanding concerning this. And, and what I want to do is I want to give you uh, 12, and I'm going to call these, and I started out with a list of like four, and then it moved to five. I ended on 11, and then during worship, the Lord said, I want to add one more. And there were 12 original apostles, and so praise God, 12 is a good number. So I'm going to give you 12 uh, different um, ways to describe, I guess language to describe what an apostolic people is. And again, this might be really foreign to you, or might, you might be like, you know, what's the point? And, you know, sometimes when people have something that's new to them, they, I'll just say this is true for everybody, we're afraid of things that are new. And if you're afraid of things that are new, you're never going to get things that you need to get you to where you're going. You have to be willing to receive, to, to be able, you know, to receive things, even if it's unfamiliar to you. That's the nature of growth. Because if you're going to grow, that means you're going to have to let go of things that you once thought or once believed or once hung on to and grab a hold of some things that the Lord is doing and saying. And I believe that the time that we're living in now, in fact, I heard one prophet, I won't give his name, I don't particularly follow his ministry that well, and so, but this one prophet, I know him as a prophet, he's a prophet to the nation, and he even wrote an entire book, and he said, and the title of the book was something like, I see a new apostolic reformation, and he had this whole word about the Lord bringing in and bringing the church back to the place to where it was originally designed to be. And I've been preaching this for years, and I'm just giving in more language, better language this morning of what I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is really supposed to look like. I could see, we could have a show of hands as to who believes the church is really everything that the Lord designed it to be, and there shouldn't be any hand go up because there is so much, so many problems in the church. As a matter of fact, if you go in and you look at how many times uh, the church has been split and been divided since the day of Pentecost, it is innumerable. You cannot come to a conclusive number of how many times the church has been split, and that's because denominationalism is inside of people's hearts. I'm not saying that denominations are bad. They often are, but anyways... It's the idea of denominationalism inside of people 
that has to be changed. And so I'm going to give you some things that I think is really going to help with this. And the very first one, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. If you're not taking notes, uh, you can go back and listen uh, and rewrite these out, and these are really going to help you. But number one, so this is like idea, or this is, uh, you know, I don't have a way to phrase this, but this is this is language to, to describe these different attributes. We're going to call them attributes um, concerning what an apostolic people really is. Number one is an apostolic people, they keep covenant as paramount. So they keep covenant as paramount. It's really important that we understand something, that we are not here because we agree with each other. We're here because we're family. Because as soon as you come into something and you say, well, I really agree with that, so now I'm going to stay. As soon as you don't agree with something, then you're going to be out the door. And I'm not saying that you should stick around anywhere and ever be involved with any kind of heresy or abuse or anything like that. But the truth is, is that there are disagreements everywhere you go. When you look in the early church, there was something that was consistent with everything that they did everywhere they went, starting on the day of Pentecost, it says they were all in one accord. There was no way that they agreed with everything that was going on with each other. There's no way. That's, that's humanly impossible. We'll never experience that type of a, like agreement until we get to heaven. And even with some people, I'm still not sure if they're going to agree just because of how they are. But, you know, that type of agreement, that's not what covenant is. Covenant is about family. Covenant is, about, is a choice about choosing other people and choosing what you have together in Christ regardless of the differences. Because we could sit all day long and find differences, but that doesn't do anybody any good. And so denominationalism definitely is something like you can see different denominations, and I love different denominations. I, I, I meet with pastors of different denominations. I'm not against them. But the idea of being divided over what we believe and what we think and being right, the idea of that needs to be removed from, from our midst, needs to totally be removed. And the reason I believe that why we have so much denominationalism inside of people's hearts um, is really because it's been the removal of the Holy Spirit. Because we were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We were not baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Scriptures. You say, well, uh, the Bible's the authority. Of course the Bible's the authority. It's the plumb line for everything that we believe. And if we don't believe that the Bible is the final authority, then we don't have, we don't have any guide for truth. But understand this, that we, we weren't supposed to come together and find out the most and the best and the highest and the most pure doctrine so that we could get along. Because you're always going to have disagreements that go on. But what we have is a baptism into the same spirit that should be bringing us all together. So praise God, apostolic people keep covenant as paramount. They also pursue unity while celebrating diversity. They pursue unity while celebrating diversity. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, churches, there's a lot of groups of people, and of course, I'm not being critical of anybody, but I've been involved with things to where it was like it, there was this push towards uh, uniformity. And let me give you the difference between uh, unity and uniformity. Unity refers to the union or harmony of a group of people, whereas uniformity is the state of always having the same form, manner, or degree. 
And religion brings people into uniformity. Do everything this way, say everything this way, relate everything this way, look this particular way. And that's not what God's brought us into. That's actually cultish. But unity is where you come in. And in spite of the differences, in spite of the diversity of gifting, of background, of story, of problems, whatever it is, you come together and your agreement is based on your covenant and it has nothing to do with your diversity. And as, you, as people draw closer to Christ, what happens is that the diversity that's from him, because sometimes people are just diverse because they're just, they're just problematic. But as they grow, draw closer to the Lord, the Lord uh, sands off some of those rough edges, amen? And the things that they were once identifying with, they no longer identify with, but they begin to find identity in him. They begin to find purpose in him and realize that we are wired different. We think different. We have different talents and gifts and abilities. And an apostolic people will celebrate the differences that are there. Hallelujah. And so real true unity is found not with people that have conformity or uniformity, but it's when there's this vast difference, but they figure out how to get along anyways. That means the Spirit of God is amongst them and at work. Can I get a big amen on that? And here's number three. Here's um, attribute number three of what an apostolic people looks like is that they live, and I love this, they live in the realm of faith for the supernatural. They live in the realm of faith Excuse me, faith for the impossible is what I meant to say. They live in the realm of faith for the impossible. Every day we face things that are impossible situations. And I want you to notice something that my language here is very intentional. I'm not talking about an apostle. I'm talking about an apostolic people. Do you know that all people are supposed to be pastoral? All people are supposed to be prophetic. All people are supposed to be evangelistic. All people are supposed to be teachy. I don't know. And all people are supposed to be apostolic because the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher bring anointings, they bring flows, they bring understanding into the body to equip that people to do what God has called them to do. And so it's the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry that brings the edifying for the whole body. And ultimately, we can fulfill what it is that God's called us to fulfill. But the Bible also says, first apostles. We have this, Jesus help me, we have this enormous emphasis in our culture on pastors and pastoral ministry. And I love pastors. I love pastoral ministry. I am in favor of that fully. As a matter of fact, one of the verses that Liz and I, I think kind of privately, but discovered recently that we've both been praying is that, Lord, give, give us pastors for your people after your heart. Because we need lots of pastoral ministry. People need care. I need cared for, amen? We need, we need cared for. But if all you have is pastoral ministry, all you have is the idea of just taking care of what you have and not pressing forward with momentum into the more of what God has for you. Because see, when Jesus said, you're no longer, he didn't say, you're no longer my disciples, but he was saying, he, he changed the language when he said, you're sent They were no longer just underneath of him learning and growing as disciples, but they were ones that were going forward to take the realities of the kingdom that they had on the inside of them or were getting ready to after the day of Pentecost, and they were going to take those realities and they were going to move forward. And never at any point was there ever supposed to be any kind of idea of anybody that said that apostles or apostolic ministry comes to an end. 
You'll only find that in cessationist teaching, which is basically like the gifts and all that stuff come to an end. And I just have a problem with that because I operate in the gifts and I, see, I get words of knowledge and I get words of wisdom and I've seen healing and different kinds of things. So it's really hard for me to believe in something that I've actually seen operate in my own life and we see operate in this church. Let me tell you something. There are real modern day apostles and there are real apostolic people and that's what we be. Hallelujah. So we have a, and we live in the realm and this is where, see, this is, this is about identity, but it's also about faith. These attributes are about identity, about who we are, but it's also about faith. And we should live in a place that anytime we're facing something that's impossible, we know that God is well able to meet our needs. And there's something, and I've experienced this so many times over the years, people will come in and they'll say, you could just feel something here. Sometimes if they, if they don't know, if they're un, maybe unlearned concerning the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, they, they don't have language for it, but they'll say, I just feel something here. And I'm like, I just feel juiced up. I mean, I just feel amped up and I just feel really good. And they've got this sense that like, everything's going to be okay. This thing's going to work out for me. This thing, this problem that I've been facing in my family, this thing's going to come to an end. I'm going to be able to deal with this situation. Why? They're drawing from the reality and the culture that God has placed within the midst of an apostolic people because apostles, what's known of, of apostles is that they operate in great faith. Many of them operate in the gift of faith, which is listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there's something about people that when they come together, and God is in their midst that they can just believe that God can do anything and he can take care and deal with and overcome any impossible situation. Hallelujah. And that's the kind of people that God's called us to be. Also, apostolic people, here's attribute number four, is that they pioneer new works. Now, I didn't say pioneer new ministries because that could look like I need to go start a 501c3 and start another ministry. And God could call you to do that. He has called people to do that. He's given people vision and done different things. And that's fine with that. But the idea of works, there are all kinds of different things that God can call people to do. And see, the idea of being apostolic isn't let me just take care of me, my four, and no more. It's now that me and my four have been taken care of, or however many kids you got or people in your home, me and my 12 and all, all the above, right? You know, however many you got, it's the idea of, yeah, I'm taken care of. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to do and I'm going to present and I'm going to help and I'm going to pioneer new works. I'm going to pioneer a Bible study at my work. I'm going to pioneer even the very idea sometimes of going and getting breakthrough with the person that nobody's been able to get breakthrough with before. That's apostolic in nature. And when a group of people carry that, they carry that mentality, instead of being bogged down by problems, they start to have solutions for the needs that are at hand. We are supposed to be the answer not because of us, but because of Jesus in us, we are built by God to be the answer for every problem that Perryville faces. It's within you. Every governmental problem, every educational problem, everything in the healthcare system, anything in the business realm, anything that's going on with families, I mean any, anything that's going on, God has called us to be able to go and influence those people. Why? Because one person, one apostle, or one leader is doing it? No, it's because the anointing that rests upon those people, the reality that rests upon those people, the revelation that rests upon those people, and the culture that's at work within them says, we can absolutely do anything that God's called us to do. And we see a sliver here where we need some answer, we need some problem resolved, let's go in and do this thing. You know, interesting is that in the, uh, I think it was in the same month, which was uh, two months ago probably, um, Katie and I both 
had something just like basically dropped in our lap. We didn't ask for it, but in those situations, and we both got put on boards of other uh, uh, ministries here locally that are good ministries but, but needed some help, and basically what they saw was that we carried solutions for the problems that were at hand because both of those particular things were they needed help. And they saw something in her, the one that she's involved in, and then they also saw something in me, the one that I'm involved in, and said, we want your help here. You know what that is? That's people that carry solutions for the problems that are at hand. What do you call that? You call that people that are apostolic people. Instead of just taking care of what they have, they start to look and say, God, I've got all of heaven residing within me. I've got the love of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the essence of God dwells on the inside of me. I am, because of you, I am the answer for what people need. And that's not being selfish or anything like that. Peter and John, they came up to the man at the, at the gate, beautiful, and they said, oh, let me be careful that Jesus gets all the glory and we don't get any of the glory. It's because of what Jesus has on the inside of us that we're able to say this to you, rise up and walk. No, they said, such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They knew what they possessed within themselves and amongst each other to go and take what God did and give it to the rest of the world. Hallelujah. So number four is that they pioneer, apostolic people pioneer new works. Number five, attribute number five, is they celebrate the opportunities of others. You might say, well, that doesn't seem so significant. I've been around Christendom, and I've been around church for a long time, and I meet, not with you guys, but I meet and have met more people that are more jealous of success than they are celebratory, I think is how you could say it, of success. I mean, that's just like, I mean, that's just normal. I mean, it's just like, that's normal, and that's bad culture. When you, when you walk into a place, and God did something in you or did something in your life, and instead of the people celebrating what he did, they become jealous of that. That's not a good thing. We see this on, because on, we do stuff on like uh, social media and whatever. Man, there's so much jealousy and stuff that happens on there. It's like, well, you got, you know, 20 likes and I only got eight likes. And, you know, just stupid stuff that how people think. And it's like, we're supposed to celebrate other people's successes. We're not supposed to think that we ought to be better or further along. And as a matter of fact, whenever people are jealous of things, it just reveals where they're really at, and they're not ready for the more. They're not ready to handle the more because they got identity wrapped up in that stuff, but not apostolic people. Apostolic people celebrate what other people have and what other people do and the accomplishments of other people. Do you know why? Because the whole idea is that you take the kingdom of God and it gets moved forward, and it doesn't matter who does it. Because it's not about you anyways, it's about the thing. It's about the message. It's about the gospel going forward. And it just flat out doesn't matter who does it or who, who gets the credit or who was able to lead the person to the Lord or who had the biggest ministry or who touched the most people or who had the biggest business or who was the best teacher in school. And none of that stuff matters. What matters is, did God tell you? Yes. Did you obey? Yes. That's all you got to worry about. If you're more famous or you're less famous or you got more likes or you got less likes or you got more money or you got less money or you're any and all that stuff, none of that stuff matters. But in a lot of us, we've been involved in culture to where it was like, I mean, the claws would come out. And, and I've seen this before. And basically, we basically, I thank God 
people feel funny being jealous around here. Because at times, I, because we, we got rid of this a while ago, and you just find ways to, to either push out the devil inside of people or push the devil out because you push the people out. You don't want people around you that are, that are jealous of you. They're going to come against you. They're going to say evil things about you. They're going to rise up against you. And I mean, I love people, but there's people that I've prayed out because I realize that they're never going to have anything for me unless I'm below them. And so sometimes, you know, there's been situations that I've, I've been in different places in my life, and I know you have too, to where it's like, man, the calls come out. It's like, wait a second, where's the love of Jesus in this thing? The love of Jesus got lost in the mix because it became more about them and what they were doing instead of just doing the thing that God asked them to do. So we're the kind of people that we celebrate people's work. We celebrate what God does through them. We, ce we celebrate their opportunities. We celebrate their successes. Amen. Hallelujah. So number six, here's attribute number six. You guys getting something out of this? Number six, uh, an apostolic people, they gather and they sin. And by the way, I've got 12 of these. I really could have 200 of these, but I, I just, and I really could have 12 messages, 12-week series, but I said, Lord, uh, I'm going to do this in one week, and if you want me to do more than that, then you just let me know. But I'm going to do this in one week, and it was good with me, and it was good with the Holy Ghost, so we're going to do 12 things. But there's so much more we could say about, um, about this. And really, it is coming back to this place of saying, Lord, who are you, and what do you want? Because Jesus, and I have this, this teaching I did a while back, uh, you know, on the, the fivefold ministry and just honoring the honoring ministry and honoring the fivefold ministry is what I was getting at. And when you honor the fivefold ministry, you're really honoring parts of Jesus because it says that when he ascended, understand, understand this, the point of the fivefold ministry is to bring those particular influences to the church. It's not a hierarchy system. That's not, that's not why it's there. Because anytime you mention apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, there's been some really goofy people that have done some really goofy teaching on it over the years, and it's made it look like, oh, apostle so-and-so, prophets. No, it's not about that. It's about the anointings that are there that God's given that are able to influence the church to cause the church to rise up and be everything that she's supposed to, to, supposed to be. So unfortunately, you've had times when you've had people that are truly called of God, they sit in that office, and then their idea is just to bring everybody underneath of them to prop up their ministry. My idea of real apostolic ministry is to bring people in to lift them up. I'll send people as far as they're willing to go when they don't make it about them. I will send people as far as they are willing to go when they don't make it about them. You go, Pastor Kent... What's your heart? What's really your heart? My heart is that you do the will of God and you don't make it about you. Hallelujah. So I interrupted myself. Let me go back. That when he ascended, it says that he gave gifts to men. And the gifts that he gave were gifts of himself because Jesus was known as a teacher. He was the teacher. By the way, it says that, that they knew he was from God because he taught with great authority. It makes you think about a lot of the so-called teachers that you hear today. It's just a bunch of information that they're, that they're blabbing out to try to make themselves look smart. 
Jesus was the best teacher ever, and he taught with great authority. They knew he was from heaven. Jesus was a teacher. He's the, he is the shepherd and the guardian of our souls, right? He's the, he's the, um, the shepherd of all. Um, he was known as a prophet. Uh, to call him an, evangel- an evangelist was, a, was an understatement because evangelists go and, and seek and save the lost, and that's what Jesus was all about. But then it also says in Hebrews that he was the high apostle in uh, confession of our faith is how, is how I think it how I think it says it. So Jesus was all five of those. So what we don't ever want to do is say let's just camp on this reality and not see all the other realities and the truths about who God is. I've said this before. I'll just throw it out here again, and I'll get back to my list where it's more comfortable uh, for you and me. Um, is that um, the word pastor or pastors is the Greek word. Poime, I think is how you say it, and it's in the New Testament about 18 times-ish. The word apostle or apostles in the New Testament is in there, and it's the, the, the Greek word apostolos, and it's in there, I believe it's 74 times. So it's kind of like things got, have gotten lost over the centuries about what, is the new, what does the New Testament church even look like? And see, I believe the original poor was perfect. On the day of Pentecost is when the church started. In the original poor of the Holy Spirit, it was perfect. What's happened is that, you know, if you can imagine that you've got a, you got a, a stream from coming down the mountain, and if you're right up there at the mouth of it, it's just, it's pure, and the water's pure, and you can drink it. There's no contaminants. But maybe if you went down past the village or two, and you started drinking, you'd be like, well, this isn't, it's just not very tasty. It's not very good. And if you go down past a few more villages or whatever, you could drink it and get sick. Why? Was the river bad? No, it was perfect. The mouth of it was perfect. Where it originated from was perfect. But there were contaminants that got put in along the way. And what I, what I like in the church today is a, is a people that are drinking contaminated water and become sick and want to have nothing to do with it anymore. How many, let me just see a show of hands. Who in here knows at least one person that you know of that has been, that has been hurt or they are hurt and they don't go to church anymore because of some kind of hurt? Pretty much every hand in here. So what's the problem? Is it, is it the church's fault? Somewhat. Is it their fault? Mostly because people have to learn how not to be hurt. People have to learn to not wear their feelings on their sleeves. This is the real world. People are people. People are knuckleheads. I say knuckleheaded things sometimes, and I have to go back and say, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean that. Please don't be offended. That's the, that's the world that we live in. But the reality is, is that when you go into most circles, it is so contaminated, and it's because it's got all kinds of doctrines and, and religiosity of man mixed in, and people drink it, and they're like, blech. Rightfully so, because we're made to drink from the pure stream that flows from God himself. And I believe that the original church was the right church. And with that being said, let me just say this. And Liz and I were talking about this person we know. And, but anyways, you have people that would be like, if it's going to be the original church, it needs to be churches in the house. It's got to be house churches. We'll read your Bible. They met in the synagogues, and they also met in the houses. You say, well, which one's right? And I had this time when I was going out of Bible school, and I knew that God was calling me to, you know, to, to, to pastor and to lead, you know, lead a church. And I was like, God, is it a church in the home, or is it a church in the building? What is it, God? And I mean, I was so intense, and the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, just do what I'm telling you to do, and don't worry about it. 
And so that as I've gotten older in the Lord, it's like, well, all of it's important. You can't get what we're doing here, this corporate worship and this kind of teaching, you can't get it in a home. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But you know what you can't get here is breaking bread with each other and praying over one another and having fellowship and studying the Bible and, you know, the, the iron sharpening the iron, that kind of thing. Like, that comes from intimate fellowship. Both are important and part of the church of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, praise God. So here we are at number six. I mentioned it, uh, but didn't go very far with it. Number six is that uh, an ap- apostolic people gathers and sins. It is important to gather people. It's important to gather numbers. It's important to gather souls in, not so you can have a bunch of numbers that you can say, look how many people we have. And by the way, I have been in front of more. The number one question, every, every pastor of every church, I loved when we went to Ashley and Carly's thing. They started, they started the pastor's retreat off. And um, gosh, Carly, they both have girls' names, and so it confuses me all the time. I, I, he, it's, he's used to it. They're English, so Ashley's a girl's name over in England. And Carly gets up and she says, nobody cares how many people you have in your church, so don't talk about it the whole week. And I was like, ah, good, I like that. And so nobody talked about it. But, you know, unless that precedent set the number one thing, every time you go, every time I go to another pastor and I'm I'm in their presence and I'm, you know, you just find, you meet ministers here, there, and everywhere. How big's your church? How many people you got in your church? Or if they're real evangelistic, how many souls have you won in the last year? You know, and so it's just like all this whole comparison thing. That is not the nature of God. That is not who God is. And so we got to get away from that stuff. And so, but it is important to gather, but it's also important to send. But understand what sending means. Sending is often just a singular view. It's like, well, if I'm going to be sent, then I got to go be a missionary somewhere. I got to go <laughs> and start a church somewhere. That is a, a singular or just certain ways of looking at like what it means to be sent. But a, a church, because see, the only ones that can really send, I believe, are ones that have been sent. Otherwise, they don't know how to do it very well. And so you got to find somebody that's been sent. And I don't know if you could back that up biblically, but that's what I believe in. So I'm teaching right now. So that's Kentology, all right? I think the best people to send, let me say it that way, are the ones who have been sent and understand what it means. But the idea of sending doesn't mean you got to go on the other side of the world. The idea of sending is where is your place of ministry? Where is, that's a question you can ask yourself. Where is my place of ministry? Because then every time we come together, it's supposed to be ascending. It's a weekly sending. It's a bi-weekly sending. It's in every time we meet each other, it's ascending. What are you sending people into? You're sending people into the world to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out demons, to speak with new tongues, to have all the, the works of God take place. They're being sent. And why do you come back? Weren't you already sent once? Yeah, but it's like you need a refueling and you need encouragement and strength and to hear testimony of what God's doing amongst other people and then you are sent back out all over again. So when you come from this place into the place that you live, that you work to your family, to whatever it is, you need to think, I am a sent one. I carry the word of reconciliation and I have and walk in the ministry of reconciliation. And just don't make a big deal about it other than like, Jesus, you're so burning in my heart. I'm sent and I'm going. And that, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, this is one of the things that we've found is that there's a lot of people that just don't want to be sent. 
They only want to be cared for. If you only want to be, if you need care, then it's right that you get care and there's people that can care for you here. But if you only want care and you don't care about caring for the people that also need cared for, you're selfish. Or you're just totally ignorant of the fact that you have something to offer other people. Is this what we kind of find? Like, we know how to run people off. Tell them that they need to step up to the plate and do what God's telling them to do. And there's no pressure in it. We're all learning and growing and to step into things. There's no pressure. There's no, you don't have to come in here and be like, let me give you my quote of what I met this last week. It's not about that. Just, but it's about having a mentality of I'm going to grow and I'm going to increase and I'm going to step into everything that God's called me to do. Growers make non-growers uncomfortable. It's true. So we got a recipe for <laughs> aggravating some people, but advancing other people. So you wonder, like, am I, am I sent? Yeah, this is your sending every week. You don't even have to ask anymore. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this would be a good thing. When someone says, what are you doing Sunday morning? If they don't already know, you can say, I'm going to get sent. I mean, come on. If it's only about just being cared for and having your own needs met, let's just die and go to heaven because we'll be in, in, with Jesus then and we won't have any more problems. I'm not saying we don't have any problems, but the idea of we only come to church to have everything just cared for and we just feel so good and that was just such a good message. And the, You know, I don't hear, Pastor, you gave a great message as much as I used to when I was younger because I used to be fluffier when I gave messages. I used to be a little bit uh, less... Uh, I used to have less of that in me because I was always afraid of offending people. And so I offended a few less people. But I found that the more I'm just bold and I'm like, look, this is what you're called to. You're gathered to go. Do you need to get healed? Yeah, and apostolic people will bring healing because it, it, people that are apostolic will, will allow healing to flow and they'll allow gifts to flow and they'll allow people to pray for people and, and real worship to take place and deep throne room worship, all that'll happen. But when you get healed up, don't just sit and be healed, go. Take the healing that God gave you and go into all the world. This is, see, this is, G I am, I am, then I got to be careful how I say this, but just take it for what it is. I am Jesus in physical form to you. I can see that going on the live stream. <laughs> this, this heretic says that he's Jesus. I am not Jesus. I am not an object to be worshipped. There is only one object to be worshipped. There's only one deity. It's not Mary. It's Jesus. All right? So the deal is, is that he gave gifts to the body. You say, you think you're a gift to this church? Absolutely. It's, but it's not me. It's because of what God's put in me and put on me. Me and not myself, I look in a mirror just like you do every day. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like what the guys do. Girls might wear dresses or whatever. Anyways. <laughs> but if Jesus were here, he would be all the fivefold wrapped into one. No ministers to all of it. No ministers got everything. But as far as my part is concerned, go. You are sent. You say, well, I just don't feel like I've got what I need. Then go to 301. 
We will make you feel so uncomfortable in a safe place that when you get out of that safe place, you'll have the the goods to go out and actually give to people. Because that's what ministry is supposed to be. It's it's supposed to be an equipping center. It's not supposed to be a a fluffy, duffy, let's rub your head and everything be okay center. There is a tide turning in the church. This is a new era. This is a new era in the church. I'm just going to get fired up with everybody that's willing to get fired up with me. I've heard this said before, that if you get on fire, you you catch on fire, then people will come watch you burn. So I'm either going to have people burn with me or watch me, and it'll be like, you know, the the, the Michael Jackson, the popcorn thing. You You seen that that, that thing going around? It's like, I don't care, just as long as they show up and they either watch the burning, hopefully they'll get inside of the burning, but let's just burn on fire for Jesus, because the truth is, is we've got one life to live. The, the older I get, I know that for those of you that are, you know, my age or older, you get to this point and it's like, yeah, I'm not getting any further away from the end. Come on now. I'm not getting any further away from the end. And there's no condemnation with that, but it's a reality check. We only have so many years on this earth. And what we do between birth and death is what makes a difference for eternity. Because once we've crossed over, once we've gone over to the other side, We can't make an impact anymore for eternity. It's already said and done. Let's do what God's called us to do. Let's be that people that gathers. We work to gather people, and then we work to send them as well as us being sent at the same time. That's what we're called to. I mean, think about it. Some of Jesus' very last words were go. He said go into all the world. He first said wait, but then he said after you wait, then you need to go. And why do you need to wait? Because you got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you ain't filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't have what it takes to go anywhere. you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need, to be, you need to know the Holy Spirit. You need to know the gifts of the Spirit. You need to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. For perfection, no, you're, you're never going to be perfect at anything, but it's just about that relationship with the Lord. And when you've got that going in your life, you've got what you need to go. You don't need a Bible college degree to go. To be honest with you, I've learned more after Bible college than I ever did in Bible college. I probably more learned more before and after. I sat there in Bible college, and I'm like, yeah, I've been studying the first year. I'm like, yeah, this is good, but I've been studying and learning this for the last five years. Four years, probably. Anyways, whatever, for a period of time, I've been learning. I'm like, this is awesome. And then second year, it was like, it was like a, just a little bitty practice before you go out and you actually do the thing. This is a true story. We, we don't call it a Bible college, but this is a Bible college, basically. It's a church Bible college. We don't advertise it as that, but the idea of a Bible college is that you get people trained up, and then they go. They learn, and then they go. You're learned ones, and now you're sent ones. Welcome to Bible college, folks. And if you would like to go to third year, it's called 301. And when you go into 301, we will uh, make you just like be as uncomfortable as possible, and it'll be really, really good, and you'll be glad you came. And then you'll be like, and I'm looking for Brenda Davis. She's not in here. You'll be like Brenda Davis, who's witnessing to everything at uh, Gilster that she possibly can, anything that moves. Praise God. This is awesome. I'm having more fun doing this than I've ever had. Because you know what? I just don't care what people think about me anymore. I just, I literally, I've, I've said that. There's a period of time when I said that, and it was a by-faith statement. I mean, honestly, it was like, I, 
I just don't care. I'm doing what God's telling me to do. And then I get home and I'm like, Liz, did I upset anybody today? You know? <laughs> she would always say no, but yeah, now she's like, yeah, I think you took that one person off really. She doesn't say that I say that. You know, but you get to this point where you just don't really, you just care more about what God's telling you to do than anything else. And for me, if I get to the end of my days and I didn't work as hard as I possibly could to, to heal people, and people need healing. People got stuff, man. People got stuff. I've had stuff. Liz has had stuff. People need healed up. And, and, and this is like an incubator. And I only made it through six. I'm going to get the other six next week. But this is like an incubator to where if you stay here long enough, you're going to get healed up. You're going to have a prophetic word come to you to set you free. You're going to have somebody lay hands on you and anoint you. You're going to have people just hug you. I mean, whatever you need. We're, going to, we're here to meet your needs and love on you. But then you're going to get so fired up on fire for Jesus that you're going to be like, you know what? We can't contain it in here anymore. We can't contain it. See, this mentality about like, you know, sometimes people look around and be like, well, Pastor, I see that there's some empty seats around here. Go fill them. I stopped taking the responsibility of the church being full on me. You know why? Because shepherds don't produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. I was like, I saw that. I was like, oh. I don't have to reproduce. I just have to train people how to reproduce. Amen. If their seats, if their seats are empty next to you, it's your fault. <laughs> I just got, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. You know, I mean, there's no condemnation with it, but it's like we have to put the responsibility back where it rightly belongs. And sometimes people get scared to bring people into a place like this. Because like, well, we just don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. But it's not your job to reject the gospel for people. You see, but, but they're, they're, my, they're my friend, and I want them to be my, Then send them to the church where they they're don't offend people, I guess. I don't know, you know? But we're about changing people's lives. You need to be about changing people. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know this. But this is just a little stirring the pot and encouragement all at the same time, you know? I wasn't going to stir the pot. I was just trying to give you some understanding. But I'd see, whatever, it doesn't work very well for very long for me because I get so excited about this stuff. This is why we're here on the earth. So just uh, take this and run with it. Go with it. Don't let the enemy trick you into believing that you don't have what the world needs. If you've been born again, you have what the world needs. You got what they need. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost then you have the ability to give the world what they need. And then when you pray in tongues for a little bit, then you get the confidence to go with the power to give the world what they need. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information, on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.